Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today, Lord. I thank you for the 11 baptisms, Lord. I pray that you would just be with them and we cover them in prayer right now, God, because we know that as soon as, as soon as we make a, a step in obedience and faith towards you, God, the enemy's always right behind trying to knock that down and knock our progress back, Lord. But we know that, that, that Satan has no stronghold where Jesus lives, God, where you dwell, God. And I pray that you'd just protect them, be with them, Lord, and be with our service today, God. Be with me as I speak, speak through me, because Bo Stevenson has nothing good to say, as you know, Lord, but I pray that you speak through me and let me step aside, Father. Pray for the message that it would touch some good soil, that it would uh, just be a good word, and we thank you, and let us have a good time, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Good time, that's what it's all about, right? Church, ain't, the church isn't supposed to be just the place you come, and, and, and you fold your hands, and you sit there real quiet, and you don't say a peep, and then you leave an hour and a half later, or maybe four hours, depending on the church, right? And, and then go and about your life and show up next Sunday. Church is, church is a place where we can come and we can be free in Christ, because there's freedom in Christ. There's no religion. There's nothing holding us back. But I'll, I better get going on my message. So, as I was preparing this message, I come to the realization that we're now officially in the second month of 2022. February, what is it, the 6th? Last I looked, it was like the 1st of January. It's flown by. 2021 flew by. 2020 flew by. And because time just seems to be passing me by. When I looked last, I was in high school. And now I'm approaching 30. And, and that flew by. A couple years, I guess, till 30. I won't make myself older than I am. But I'm old. I feel old. I feel old, man. I tell you what. I feel old. I feel a lot older than I am. <laughs> That's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. But... Uh, Time, I've noticed, flies by. And so this year, I made the New Year's resolution to slow down a little bit. How many of you guys, you know, come January 1st, you made a New Year's resolution. You said, I'm going to stick to this. Maybe I'm going to deepen into my prayer life. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to work out. That's a popular one, right, for the first week. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to stay on top of my bills. I don't know. How many of you all had a New Year's resolution when you started this year out? Yeah, a couple hands. You're like, first service. First service was perfect. Nope, there's like two people that thought they needed to change. So... Those that had their hands up, how many of y'all kept it after the first day? <laughs> One hand. Okay, out of the, the first week. How was your last first week? Second week? Nope. Well, that's pretty good. Second week, third week, fourth week. Still keeping it. That's a pretty good deal. Me? My resolution was I'm going to start slowing down a little bit. I'm going to... I'm going to dive deeper and be more intentional in my prayer life. I'm going to be more intentional with time with my family and spending time with one another. And uh, uh, that lasted like the first or second day, right? Life happens. Life comes along. There's no excuses in, 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 in not making your commitment, but life happens. I caught COVID over New Year's Eve and I was down and that, that kicked my butt. And, and, and pretty soon, you know, I started out First of January, I was reading my Bible, and I, second of January, okay, I better sit down. Third of January, missed it, missed it, missed it. And pretty soon, I'm back to the regular old bow, bow I was, December 31st of 2021. But life happens. Our modern life is so fast-paced now. There's so much that is, that is struggling for our attention, that is dragging us this way and that way, uh, trying to distract us from our life. One of the big things that, that I was told by an older gentleman was, you know what? 80 years really flew by quick. He told me the last he looked, he was 25, just getting out of the military. And now he's trying to plan his funeral. And he told me, listen, and this is a guy that I really respect, a really good friend of mine. He told me, you know what? My life went by so fast, so fast that it feels like I just blinked. And there's so many regrets. And he, his one piece of advice was, was take time for your life, for those around you, and enjoy the moment. But how hard is that in today's world? We've got our phones that we can have access to everything in the world. We've got social media. That, that alone takes most of our time. If you have an iPhone, you can go on there. And I don't know about Android. You know, I told First Service, I tend to only use really good phones. So iPhone's <laughs> all I know. You Android people are on your own. I don't know. 
You're all a different breed anyways. You probably don't care about time you spend. <laughs> but you can go on your iPhone and you can look at how much screen time you actually are using on your phone. It'll break it down by app. When I saw that, I had seven hours on TikTok one day. That about broke my heart. <laughs> like, you know, seven hours of my life, I'm never getting back to just scrolling. But time is so important. Time is so important. There's so much in our life that we're trying to keep up with. We're trying to keep up with our jobs. Maybe you're in a business, you're an employee, you're a business manager. You're, you're trying to keep up, trying to be the best employee you can. You're keeping up with your family, soccer practice, trying to spend time with your wife, date nights and dinner. And you're all at the same time, you're trying to walk out your calling in Christ to serve him and to serve in ministry and, and to be a part of something that's greater than yourself. So you're trying to work hard, but you know what? There's a problem in that. It's all fine until it isn't. All of this is fine. Being busy is fine until it's not fine. The problem is that we can become so focused on staying busy and so focused on crafting the perfect life that we begin to become distracted and we lose our focus on what is important. And what is important is Jesus. Is Jesus. The reason why we do everything is because of him. And so if we're so busy, like myself, and listen, I'm, I don't want anybody to think I'm condemning anybody today because I'm preaching to myself today. This is a message 100% directed to me, and if nobody else gets anything out of it, I got something out of it. But we become so busy and so focused on the things that we have to do that we lose focus of, of, off of Christ. Our focus comes off of him, and we lose the joy of serving. And serving him and, and serving the needs of those around us becomes a burden instead of a joy like it's supposed to be and a blessing. We got back from Disneyland about a week ago, a little, little over a week ago, and we spent five days down there with Pastor Travis and, 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 and Tina, and it was a wonderful time. We did five days at Disneyland, but by about the third day, I, I was wore out. I, I was really wore out. I almost couldn't walk no more. I was so wore out. And I, and, and I decided, you know, me and my son, we, we were just going to go and ride a couple rides, because when you're in Disneyland, you're down there, you got to hit everything. Try to hit every ride, every experience, and we're just, we're bucking it, man. We're through Fantasyland. We're... We're on the frontier land, tried to get him on, on a roller coaster, he wouldn't do it. And finally, I'm so worried, I just told Stetson, you know what, let's just go get some popcorn and a Coke. And, and that's what we did. I grabbed us a popcorn, a bucket of popcorn that cost way too much. And, and a Coke that I'll probably get about 10 here, you know. But I went and we found a park bench down along the water in, uh, they call it New, New Orleans Square. And it was just me and my son sitting there for about 30 minutes. And all these people are just passing by, but there wasn't a care in the world as we watched the boats drive by and the ducks. And it was just a peaceful moment. And in that moment, with everything going around me, God spoke to me and he said, listen, and it was kind of, kind of not what I wanted to hear, but it's what, he, what I needed to hear. God said, listen, you know, you don't have to spend all this money and all this time to travel clear across the country to Southern California to find peace and quiet and, and relaxation. We don't have to, to struggle in this life to find peace because he's saying, listen, I've already got it here. Amen. He said, come to me all who are, are weary and, and I will give you rest. And as I'm sitting there, he reminded me of the story of Mary and Martha. If you're familiar with it, it's where Jesus goes to the home of Martha and, and, and she's trying to prepare a, a great meal and a home and she's serving and she becomes frustrated and she rebukes Jesus and says, listen, tell my sister who's just sitting there listening to you to get up and work. Do you even care about me? So he reminded me of this. And let's just go ahead and jump right in. Uh, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. And I hope you brought your Bibles with you. I, 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 I really, I encourage that, especially when I preach. I don't want anybody to take what I have to say um, as the perfect thing, as the good thing. I want you to always be checking me. Maybe I, I'm just a human. Might spill, so keep along with your Bible. And, and if I mess up on something... Let me know. Now, if I messed up a word, don't come to me. I'm talking theologically. You know, if I say something that ain't in the Bible, you come up. Don't be telling me I skipped a word. But anyway, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, I, I, I think this is such a relevant story. We'll get into it here because, because a lot of us can find ourselves in this story. It says in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Now, if you got your Bible open, I want you to underline distracted. And you might have a version that might not say that. It might say something like pulled away or whatever. But underline that word. Underline distracted. It says Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to come help me. 
Kind of a bold statement, isn't it? She's got Jesus in her home, and she comes up to him and says, Jesus, do you even care about me? You can care about me if you did. You tell my good for nothing sister to get up and get going, right? And it's easy to, 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 to think, you know, think down on Martha for saying that. But honestly, we all have a part of Martha in us when it comes to our life. You want to hear something ironic? So I was getting this message ready, talking about, about Martha and how she rebuked Jesus because she was so busy. She lost the joy of serving this and that. As I have a wedding, you know, I had a wedding rehearsal Friday. We had the wedding Saturday. I'm preparing this message. Well, guess what? Pastor Bo wasn't the kindest person over the weekend because he was so stressed out about getting everything done and upset. I'm so mad because, God, why do I always have to do this? Every time you ever call me into ministry or to do something, it's always hard. Like, I've got a wedding and I'm preaching on Sunday and it's two services. Lord, you got to find somebody else. I ain't got the time. I ain't got the energy. As I'm writing, well, Martha was messed up because she lost the joy in serving because she forgot the focus of that. Like, how crazy is that? <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, well, whatever. And thank you, Jesus. That's a good, good message to myself. But, but we all have a part of Martha in us. Martha was excited to have Jesus in her home, right? How excited would you be to have the Lord, the, the, the Son of God in your home to have a meal with you, to visit with you and your sister and just to hang out? She's so excited. But at the same time, she's upset. She's worried. She's trying to be hospitable. She's trying to be hardworking, but she's distracted. She's distracted by all the things that she has to get done in order, to, in her mind, to please Jesus. She's got all this stuff that she's trying to get done to make it the perfect home for Jesus to have a meal in and, and perfect fellowship. She's distracted, she's worried, she's uptight, and she's upset. Just like a lot of us can be, me especially. She was so distracted by the work that she thought needed to be done at that very second that she completely missed the joy of serving. She completely missed the joy of being in the presence of Christ, and she became worried about not being able to get everything done to the point that she goes and rebukes Jesus and tells him, hey, help me. Now, I want us to, to have a little bit of a reality check here. It might not be true for, for some of y'all, but it might be true for most of us. A lot of us are trying to do too much. A lot of us are trying to do too much. Not necessarily that doing too much is a bad thing, but we're trying to do too much in our life. We're trying to fit in, in like I said, our family stuff and our, our, our work things. And we're trying to come to church. We're trying our best to volunteer for, for things that need to be done. We, we want to go on mission trips. We, we, we want to come and serve in the children's ministry. We want to be involved in church. But we're trying to do too much. If you try to be everything to everyone, you're going to end up being nothing to no one. I'm going to say that again. If you try to be everything to everyone, you're going to end up being nothing to no one. Now, I don't want anybody here to get me wrong in thinking that I'm saying don't serve. I am in no way saying that you should not serve, that you shouldn't give up your time to help the church spread the gospel. Because guess what? The church is the hands and the feet of Christ. We've got a calling to do. So I'm not telling you that you shouldn't serve. But what I'm saying is that you need to serve. If you're going to serve, you need to have the right focus. And that focus is Christ. Our church motto itself is believe, belong, serve. I think they're right up in front of me here. Believe, belong, serve. And, if, and you know this if you've been a part of Grace Church for any time. Uh, not, that we, not that we at this church will come to you and say, listen, you need to serve in, or, in order to be a good, good church member. You need to serve in order to be saved. You need to serve. You need to do this. You've got to do your fair share. Nobody will ever come to you. But you will not feel comfortable in this church just sitting on your hands for very long because God is moving in this place. God is moving in this body of Christ. And we're a people that believe in him as our Lord and Savior. We belong to a church family of loving people. And because of that, we're going to serve our community, serve this world because we serve a mighty God. And so you are called to serve. The Bible is very clear on that very fact. Hebrews 13, 16, 16 says, do not forget to do good and share with others. Philippians 2, 4, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the, to the interest of others. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And James 2, 17, faith by itself is not accompanied, or if it is not accompanied by action is dead. Now that one right there, I'm just going to touch on that for a second, because a lot of folks We'll use that verse right there as an argument of saying, listen, I thought, I thought we weren't saved by our good works. I thought we weren't saved by works. Well, we're not. But listen, when you have a true relationship with Christ, when you found salvation in the Son of God, when he's come and he's pulled you out of your junk and he's saved your life and he's put you on the right path and now you're serving him and you're a child of God, faith 
your faith in him will, will pretty soon start rising up an action of the need to serve. Like you're going to want to serve. It's just a natural next step in, in our Christian life, in our walk with Christ, and that is to serve him. We had a meeting uh, before first service, uh, all the volunteers and staff, we have a meeting in the back in the prayer room. And it was brought up, you know, the fact that, that our relationship with Christ, our salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone, right? And that salvation, our relationship with him will naturally extend to us being servants of Christ, feeling the need to serve the world. But us simply serving without that relationship will never bring us salvation. Your works will never bring you salvation. You're not saved by your works. You can be the best person on the entire planet. You can do all the good things in your mind that you think, but my Bible still says that you're a sinner. That you're a sinner. We're all sinners in need of a savior. So faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And so the Bible is just very clear that we are called to serve. The Bible teaches that we're not saved by good works, but we're saved to do good works. Our works don't save us, but when we're saved, we have now have a calling, and that is to do good works. In fact, if we're not called to serve others, then the moment that we're saved, right, the moment, if we're not called at all, once we're saved to serve Christ and serve the church and, and, and preach the gospel, that wasn't our calling. Then as soon as we found salvation, as soon as he saved us, he would kill us and we'd be up in heaven with him because there wouldn't be anything else left to do. But there is something left to do. There's a very, very big Big job that we have, and that is to preach the gospel. How many of you guys, if, if you knew a building was on fire, wouldn't run in and start trying to get everybody out of there as quickly as you can to save them? None of us would. But yet, we'll come to these four walls in this church, and we'll lift our hands in praise, and we'll read our Bible. But as soon as we go out into the, out into the community, out into our world, nobody would ever guess that you're a Christian. We're silent. We're quiet. And that's not the way it should be. People should, you know, the Bible says you're going to know them by your fruit, right? The joy of the, you're the fruit of the spirit. You, people should know who you are, who you serve, and, and who your God is, and who you're all about. We're called to serve others. We're called to serve God by serving others. And so serving isn't the problem. Being busy for God isn't the problem. The problem lies when we attempt to, to serve and we lose our focus on God and it becomes a burden rather than a blessing because we've taken our focus off of Christ and we've put it on ourselves and we've put it on our worries of the future and the worries of right now. That's where the problem comes. And that's where Mary found herself. Mary lost focus on who was in her home. She had Jesus. She was so focused on, on being the best house, house, you know, the host, the best uh, person uh, to be hospitable in that house for Jesus. And she lost focus on who was actually in her home, the son of God himself. And so serving becomes a burden when we take our focus off of him. And while we're, while we're serving, while we're out doing what God's called us to do, we have to ask ourselves, who and what are we serving? Because we have to make sure that our serving God does not become us serving ourselves. We should never be doing something because we want all the glory and all the attention onto ourselves. So ask yourselves, why are you doing this? Martha became distracted by the burden of serving. She was so upset with her sister Mary. She saw, her, she saw herself doing all the work and her sister doing nothing. How often does it happen in the church? You know, I showed up here for, for this event, for the help set up for the youth thing, and only two people showed up. I'm working so hard, and I don't even get any sort of appreciation around here. I'm wore out, and I'm tired. God, how, how dare you, God? I'm working so hard for you, Lord, and you don't even appreciate what I'm doing. Nobody even looks at me. Listen, at that moment, you've taken off the focus from yourself, and you've put it on to other people's problems, other people's relationship with God instead of your relationship with him and the reason why you're doing it. Distraction is dangerous. Becoming distracted from our purpose is dangerous. When the church becomes distracted from its purpose, it becomes divided. Paul warned against this distracted division in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, of you, that uh, all of you agree with one another so that there be no divisions among you. So he's saying, listen, I want all of you guys to agree with each other because when you're not agreeing with one another, there's going to be division. 
so that there may be no division among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Verse 12, one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Cephas. Still another, another says, I follow Christ. I pay attention to verse 13. I want you to underline this. Is Christ divided? He asked, is Christ divided? Christ isn't divided. The Corinthian church took their focus off of Christ and began condemning and arguing with one another, saying, listen, I follow so-and-so, and you don't. What's wrong with you? Listen, this person's the best one to follow. His teaching's great. His teaching's awesome. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing this better than you. And what happened? That church began to split. How many church have, churches have closed their doors because the congregation has lost focus on their purpose and they've put it on demand? They've put it on to a, to a certain pastor or a certain uh, preacher or a certain side of the congregation. And guess what? That church ain't going anywhere. They've lost their purpose. They've lost the reason why the church actually exists. And that is to serve Christ and to worship him. The, this church here, this is four walls. This is simply four walls. This church is made of concrete, wood, sheetrock, and wiring. And other things that I don't understand. But it's just a building. It's just a building. There's nothing special about this place other than the fact that God's presence resides inside the people that congregate here every Sunday and Wednesday and lift up the name of Jesus. That's the only thing special about this building. Other than that, if none of us existed, if none of us showed up here, this building would be useless. It's nothing. It's just another building. It could be anything on the face of the planet. Nothing makes it special. It's four walls of nothing. But what makes it important and special is when the body of Christ shows up inside these walls... And decides to say, listen, I'm putting aside my differences. I don't care what so-and-so has told me. I don't care what so-and-so has done. I don't care what I've done in the past. I'm going to worship Christ. We're all in here for one purpose, and that is Jesus. What's beautiful about the body of Christ is we all come from different backgrounds. I mean, look, look around right now. All of us have come from different parts of the country, different parts of the world, different, different backgrounds, different economic status. We've all had different backgrounds. We've, been, we've all come from different things. We've done different things than the other. Maybe one worse than the other in the eyes of man. But guess what? We all have one thing in common, and that is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And he is now our Lord and Savior. That's what we have in common. And because of that, we're called to work. We're called to, 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 to hit the ground running. We're called, not that that's going to save us, not that that's going to make us better than the next person, but because it's what Jesus is calling us to do, to go out into our community, to reach the lost. I say this every time I preach, and some of y'all might remember it or think I'm just a broken record, but I want you to know that the moment you are saved, the moment that God has come into your life and he's turned you around and you found eternal salvation, you now have a purpose. We all have one common purpose, and that is to go and preach the gospel, to go into this world and preach the gospel. To love people, to love one another. That is our common purpose. But at the same time, while we all have that common purpose of, of evangelism, of, of, of the Great Commission, we all have a unique calling, a unique purpose. The Bible talks about it as the body of Christ, not just a body as in a group of people, but the, but the illusion is an actual body. It talks about how there's an eye, there's an ear, there's a nose, there's a hand, there's feet. The body can't have four feet and still be able to grab things. The body can't have six eyes and no hands or it ain't going anywhere. Each part of the body serves its unique purpose. And you have a unique calling and a unique gift on your life. That it's your job to find it. And in prayer, find it, your will through God, you know, with God and figure out what that is. So that you can, you can become a part of the body of Christ and to reach this world. Amen. Some might be preachers. Some might be pastors, some might be teachers, some might be very good at administration. Some of y'all can talk to kids like nobody else can talk to a kid. Some of y'all might be able to open up that door and make people's weak and say hello and hi and be the most friendliest person. That's your gift. But we all have it. We have a calling. We have a purpose. Your ministry isn't part-time. And, and, and you might be saying, well, my ministry, listen, you have a ministry. We're all called to ministry. Being called to ministry isn't simply a pastor or a deacon or a, a teacher. It, being called to ministry is the moment you're saved. Now you have to go out and minister the gospel. That is ministry. You have a ministry. Your Christian life doesn't start and end at 1040 or start at 1045 and end at 1230 or 2 o'clock if I keep talking long enough. That, <laughs> it's not constrained to this church. In fact, this church, this building is simply a place where the body of Christ, the people of Christ, uh, they come together and, they, and they, they get together to encourage one another as a home base. 
is what a word you could use to come together to encourage, to lift up the name of Jesus, to, to connect with the Holy Spirit, and to pray for one another, and then to go out into our own ministries and preach the gospel. In all that you do, you should be preaching the gospel, not just with your words, with your actions, with your thoughts. Your ministry consists of your words. Your ministry consists of the way you handle your situations. It consists of your social media account. Some of y'all, that might be a big thing. Might just be easier if we just delete it and start over. Right? <laughs> I ain't condemning. I ain't got no names. I'm just saying. Probably myself included. Your, your ministry is your job. Your ministry is going to Walmart and not, not chewing out the cashier because they're taking longer than you want. Your ministry is not flipping the bird to the guy that just flew by you at 100 on the freeway or cut you off. Lord, help me. Give me mercy. I need help with that. Your ministry is as you go and as you live. It ain't part-time. I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's kind of a neat podcast called the Millennial Ag Podcast. If you're in the agricultural community especially, I encourage you to look it up. But I was on this podcast, and, and, and we just talked about my operation and, and our farm and stuff. And, and part of it come up, um, and they said, you know, I've always talked to myself as, or addressed myself as, yeah, I'm a part-time pastor or a part-time preacher or whatever. But in the middle of that interview, it actually dawned on me that uh, uh, it's not part-time. They said, well, how do you balance part-time pastor? And I just flat out said, listen, you know what? I, it occurred to me that it's not part-time. My ministry is not, not part-time. It is full-time. Our ministry is full-time. Everywhere I go, as I follow Christ through my life, I should be able to, to, to go anywhere and people can witness the, the, the things that God has done in my life. That they can look at me and say, yeah, that guy used to be something. But now he, he's talking about this Jesus and he's kind of crazy. Well, listen, I don't care if people think I'm crazy. Because I know, that where, I know where I used to be. I know what I've gone through. I know, I know the thoughts that I've had. Ain't nobody in this whole place know the things I thought. And if you thought, if you knew some of the stuff I think about, you probably would not like me. Wouldn't talk to me. But that's between me and God. He knows what I've done, yet he still loves me. And I want people to know that in this world. I'm passionate about God. I'm passionate about the things of God because of what he's done in my life. Not because I want people to think I'm, um, I'm a decent person. There's no way. Probably not a decent person without Christ. I'm not up here because I, I enjoy this. In fact, being up here right now is Bo Stevenson's worst nightmare by himself. Uh, it's the most uncomfortable thing to stand in front of people and have to have to do something as heavy as preach the gospel or, or, or teach the Bible. That, that, that is something I don't take lightly. But I do it because I have a calling on my life, a very clear calling that I can't run away from, that I've tried to run away from multiple times and God has smacked me upside the head and you, I just can't do that. So I've come to the conclusion that, you know what, I'm just going to do what God wants me to do, take a hold of it, put my focus on him and not be taking it off and focus on what everybody else is doing. I, I don't, at this point in my life, I care what people think about me, but I really don't care what people think about me because I know where I'm going. I know who I serve. There ain't no worry there. Oftentimes, you know, farming and, and, and doing ministry and stuff, I, a lot of the times I become uh, disheartened and, and, and downright, I become like Martha. I become angry and upset, especially in the summertime. You know, I, I, this last year I had a couple funerals and a wedding and, and, and I get people that call me a lot um, and, and I would just become frustrated. Like, God, you know what? Why, why me? Either you want me to farm or you want me to, to become a pastor or full-time, whatever you want. You got to figure this out because I can't balance this. But guess what? I lost my focus as to the reason why I'm doing it. I took my focus off of Christ and the calling he has in my life. And I put it on my needs and my wants and my desires. And I became frustrated and angry, quite frankly. But I realized, listen, you got, it's not what it's about. It's about, it's about him. It's about, it's about serving him and doing what he has on my life. And looking back now, you know, as a farmer and a preacher, I used to think, if you know my story at all, I've always wanted to be a preacher. When I was really young, God told me, this, that's what you're going to do. And, and, I, and about out of high school, I didn't know what I was going to do, if I was going to farm or if I was going to preach. And I struggled with that. I don't know how it's going to look, Lord. But looking back in hindsight, I'm doing both. And it's, I wouldn't change this for nothing. Because, because how many of you know that, that, that a lot of people out there have been hurt by the church? You know, not by the church itself, but by people who have wrongly said things, maybe out of yep. just being ignorant. I don't know. But a lot of people are hurt and they won't step foot into a church. But I, I, I am in a position where I have a lot of people call me that would otherwise maybe not call somebody else for need of prayer or help or counseling. Just because I am a farmer in the ag community and somebody to talk to. And I wouldn't trade that for nothing. I love it. 
But I have to keep my focus on Christ or else it becomes overwhelming and it becomes a burden. Much like we often tend to do with God, Martha gets frustrated and tells Jesus how it is, right? How she feels. So she tells Jesus, tell my sister to get up. You don't care about me, this and that. And you know what Jesus said? Get back in the kitchen, Martha. Be quiet. (laughs) Right? No. Much like we'd say, ah, just hush. Get back in there. No. He answers her. He says, listen, verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But, the only, but only one thing is needed. Now, verse 42, I want you to underline that. Only one thing is needed. So you're worried about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. What is that one thing? It's Jesus. Jesus. It's the one thing. Mary found the one thing that was most important in that room. And it was Jesus to sit at the feet of Jesus in fellowship, in communion, hanging on every word he said, learning from him. That's what was needed at that moment. And Martha was so distracted about everything else that needed done that she lost that. She lost that joy. So he says only one thing's needed, and that's him. Matthew 6, says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what does that mean? That means putting Christ first, right? That means putting Christ and God first in all that you do. And that's easier said than done a lot of the time. It's easier to say, oh, you just got to put God first. And how many of you become frustrated when you're going through a rough time and you might call Pastor Travis or you might call a friend and, and what they tell you is, listen, you just need to pray about it and you need to start putting God first in your life and, you, and he needs to be your number one. Everything else get figured out. That's not what I need. I need somebody to pay my bills. Like you get frustrated. So it's easier said than done, but you have to put God first in your life because what's he say? Uh, chapter 6 of Matthew talks about all the worries in this life, becoming worried about what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? And, and Jesus says, listen, seek first him and his kingdom and everything else will be taken care of. Everything else will be taken care of. When we seek Christ first, we, 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 we get the guidance, the love and the peace and the energy that we need to make it through some of life's toughest situations. Now, there's no doubt with the amount of people in here, some of y'all have been through some really, really rough stuff, really rough stuff. And to be honest with you, I've been, I've been in some spots that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. I've been down and out. I've had good years. I've had bad years. I've had no money. I've had a lot of money and I've had nothing, nothing at all. But do you know what I found is that my God that I serve was good in the bad. He was good in the, in the now and he was good in the future. It didn't matter my circumstance. A lot of us say, you know, we hear good news and say, oh, so-and-so, they're healed. Oh, God is good. Man, I, I got a bonus at work. Oh, God is good. How many times do we hear, oh, I just got a bad diagnosis. God is good. How many times do we hear, Man, I just lost my job, but God is good. God being his goodness and God's, God being who he is, that doesn't change with your circumstances. God is still good in the bad. He's still good in the good. He's still good today as he was yesterday and tomorrow and forever. And so it's our choice to say, listen, you know what? I might be down and out. I might be struggling, but God, I'm going to put you first. I don't know how this is going to be, be handled. Just like Jesus said, you know, you watch the birds of the air. Do they struggle and do they strive to be fed? Do they worry where their next meal's coming from? No, they just go out and do what their instincts tell them to do. And God takes care of them. It's the same as us. A lot of us like to look too far into the future. Matthew 6 goes on to talk about, and I don't have it written down, so you'll have to forgive me, but it goes on to talk about, you know, tomorrow, basically tomorrow has enough of its own problems, so quit worrying about it. Worry about today and focus on him. And everything else will be added. Everything else will just come together. And it only comes together because God is who he is. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. And he loves you. But we have to seek him first. So how do we do that? We can do that in three ways, through prayer, through worship, and through community. And so let's look at the first one, through prayer. So here at Grace, we started, we start every year, but we started 2022 uh, with 21 days of prayer, right? How many of y'all joined in on that? That was awesome. It's a great way, you know, 21 days of prayer where we commit every morning, the first of our day, the first of our year, the first of our weeks to, to, to enter into worship with Christ, with God, to, to enter into prayer and into Bible study. And we put the things of God first. But how many of you know that there's 365 days in the year? 
So 21 days of prayer and fasting and 21 days of being committed is not going to get you through 365 the rest of the year. So we should be, be able, you know, be, be a people who, whose first instinct is to go to prayer because prayer is not optional in the Christian life. How many of you all, when you met your significant other, your spouse, uh, you just met them once and then you went and got a marriage license and you said, sign this and moved into a house, right? Happens all the time, right? <laughs> no. What you did was, oh, pretty lady, you look really good. Can I have your digits? And you got the number and you started taking her out on dates, started talking to her. And, and, and pretty soon you started to get to know, know their heart, who they were, what they're about, their values, their goals, what they wanted for the future, what they wanted for the family, how they wanted to raise it. And you said, yeah, I can align with that. I'm going to come on in there and let's, let's join together and let's, let's make a life together, right? So how do we as, as Christians expect God's will to be evident in our, in our life? How are we to, to expect ourselves to, to, to live in the calling that he's placed on our life if we refuse to sit down and make time to talk to him? So prayer is essential. Prayer is needed. It's, it's an absolute. Jesus not only said that you should pray, he expected his followers to pray. Before he started his three-year ministry, he went out on his own to pray and fast, to be tempted he went through begin, and before he, he, he would go and speak, he would, or after he'd go and speak, a big move or whatever, he would go off on his own and he would enter into prayer between him and his father. That's the same thing that you and I have to do. To align ourselves with the heart of God, we have to first know the heart of God and know the God that we're talking to. And it's through prayer. A lot of folks, the first thing, instinct they've got when they go through trouble is to go to Facebook. And start airing out their opinion or text their friend, right? The first thing you should do is drop to your knees in prayer. Colossians 4.2 says to devote yourself from prayer, being watchful and thankful. It's through prayer that we lay our hearts wide open before the Lord. And we ask him to strengthen us and to encourage us and to refresh us. We ask him to give us the power to obey him. We ask him to come into our lives. We tell him what we need, what we want. And, and we appeal to him in our weakness because we're weak people. And in response to our prayers, God begins to move. He begins to work in our lives. And he does great things to help us live in a way that pleases and honors him. And prayer can look like a lot of different things. You think of prayer, you think of the old picture, the picture of the, of the little boy on his knees next to his bed with his hands up and his eyes closed. Prayer can be that. Prayer can be laying face down on a bathroom floor crying out to God because you don't have the strength to even get up anymore. Praying can be as you go, just talking to God, saying, Lord, bless that person. It doesn't have to be a long sentence. It doesn't have to be a novel. It doesn't have to be a fine-crafted paragraph of things to say to the Almighty God. Because guess what? He already knows what you're going to ask before you even say it. He already knows what you're going to say. He knows your heart. But he wants that connection. Prayer can simply be not being able to say nothing at all and knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to make that connection between you and the Father. And all things are going to be made up right. I, when I was younger, I had a misconception of prayer. In 2013, Pastor Travis and there was a, a, a fellow named Isaac Veltkamp started on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, prayer. It was like, uh, it was really early, like 6 o'clock in the morning or 5.30 in the morning here at the church in the old sanctuary. So we, he invited me to prayer and I, I went, not knowing how to pray in my idea, knowing what, you know, what, you know, okay, prayer is talking to God, not understanding what it is and what it can be and what, you know, that there's different it doesn't always look the same, but I show up and, and, and I didn't even bring my Bible. That's how green I was. I show up and, and Pastor Travis is, is pacing the floor and he's face down and Isaac is scribbling on something. And I'm just sitting there like, oh guys, it's been 45 minutes. Like I'm done. I already said everything I need to say. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, like, can we call it quits? And then pretty soon they're standing around and I'm holding hands with two other guys and we're praying and okay, but it's your turn. I already said what I needed to say. So you're making up. So I had the misconception of prayer, but it was in my relationship with God and in my walk with him and walk with other people and doing life with others that I realized, listen, prayer is so much more than that. It's so much more than just sitting trying to think of something else to say. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. That's 24-7. That's in all that you do. You should have a connection with God. But to put, for, put God first in our life, it starts with prayer. There's a pastor named Pastor Adrian Rogers, and he's quoted in saying, Now you cannot love somebody that you do not know, and you cannot know someone that you don't spend quality time with. To know them is to love them, 
To love him is to trust him. To trust him is to obey him. And to obey him is to be blessed. And it begins with a quality, quiet time, daily communication with the Lord. Daily communication, quality, quiet time. That's not going, you know, rushing all through the day and laying down in your bed as you're half asleep listening to Netflix, whatever on the TV, trying to say, okay, God bless my day. Keep my soul. If I die, wake me up. You know, thank you. Go to sleep. Right? <laughs> I'm guilty as charged. Oh, I've got to pray. Listen, I, sometimes I think God would rather you just not even just go to sleep than try to give him something halfway. Right? Prayer is sitting down. I want, if you don't have this spot in your home, mine's my dining table. I want you to find a place in your home. Maybe it's your bed. I don't know. Find somewhere where you feel comfortable, where you can either turn the lights down or silence everything, shut your phone off, turn, take, turn away any clocks, and you make that your prayer spot or your prayer room. Now, it sounds funny. We think of that, that you know, like cheesy Christian movies, war room, prayer rooms. Oh, I got to have this fancy little spot. No. But find a spot that you're comfortable in and get into prayer and get into communion with God on a daily basis. Where you're sitting down with no distractions, nothing. And if you have to get up at 3 in the morning because you know the rest of your family's early, they get up early, then you get up at 3 in the morning. Because what's more important than that time with God? Because in that time of prayer, God will begin to speak to you. He'll be, begin to move in you. He, that's where we find our peace, where we find our ability to make it through our troubles, where we find the will of God, where we find what he wants for us to do, where we find our calling. It's through prayer. So, so make it a point. Daily quiet time. Turning everything down. And if you're like me, I, I, I like to have podcasts in my ear all the time. I got my AirPods, you know, as I work, moving water, be 10, work, you know, 10, 12 hours a day with just something in my ear. And it turns to the point where I have to have background noise. But you know what that background noise can do? It can silence the voice of God because it takes our, 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 our thought and our, our, it distracts us from, from actually entering into, into prayer with God as we're going throughout our day and, and listening to him. Sometimes prayer isn't talking all the time. It's listening as well. It's listening for God to say something. And I've never, I've never, I've never in my lifetime heard the audible voice of God like you and I speak. But I have had impressions on my heart or I have had, had thoughts that pop into my head that the Holy Spirit drops in where he, where he begins to speak to me. And I'll write it down or I just know that, you, you know, you know that you know that God is speaking to you. So just listen. The other thing that we can do to get ourselves closer to God and putting him first, it goes hand in hand with prayer. It's worship. Worship. And what an amazing time of worship we had today. Amen. We, we are so thankful and, and lucky to, and blessed to have Pastor Matt and Jana here as our worship leaders because it, it, yeah, give them a random hand. Worship. A lot of us, it, it, I don't know, it can be a point of contention in the church worship because you've got whole different, uh, I'll call them religions. You have whole different uh, 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 denominations and, and, and sects of Christianity that, that are based upon how they worship. Maybe dancing, singing, you got some that have snakes and, 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 and some that, that, that are hymnal. I mean, there's all kinds, but it, it can become a point of contention in the, in the church. And so a lot of us growing up and, and different influences in our lives, we might have a different idea of what worship is. Some of us might think, well, it's just coming and we sing a couple songs and, and blessed be to God and, and that's the end of it. And then we go on and wait for somebody to talk or, or maybe you don't like worship and I just, you know, I, I come to church and that music's too loud and, and they got that electric guitar up there and I'll just, I'll come when that guy gets to talking up there. Listen, if, if that's your thought process, I used to be in that spot, raised in a very small church. You know, worship wasn't big. I mean, it was worship, but it wasn't big. So my idea of worship was, oh, that's too loud, that's too long, too loud, too, too whatever, too dark. But you know what worship actually is? It's so much bigger than our thought and our mind, right? What we think it is. Worship is an activity that we are to actively participate 100%. We are called to 100% become involved in worship. It's inviting God to be God in our life. It's dying to ourselves, and it's living devoted to God Almighty. And it's not just on Sunday mornings. Worship can, ha can happen in your car. Worship can happen in your bedroom. Worship can, can happen out in the middle of the forest. It can happen anywhere. It's just a point in your life where you come and you say, listen, God, I've come to the reala reala realization that I'm nothing and you're everything. And God, because of that, I'm going to worship you. 
We worship God not because of who we are or what we want people to think about us. We worship because of who God is and what he's done in our lives. Amen. I want you to know that, that, the, that the, the, the worship we had this morning wasn't just a bunch of people singing. It wasn't people lifting their hands up because they're trying to make themselves look good. It was worship because we were actively in the presence of God. Worshiping the same God that, that somehow spoke everything you see in this place, everything you see in the world into existence by speaking it. Who hung the world in the, in the middle of space. Who created the seed and tells that seed when I plant it in the ground. To somehow grow into something that's 12 or 15 foot tall. That I don't understand how that happens. But I know that my God created it. We're serving the God who formed you in your mother's womb. Who knew you before you even knew yourself. Who can count every hair on your head. Every thought that you think. Everything. If you look at the human body, how does that work? I don't know. But we're worshiping the God of, of everything. And when you realize that, that you're in his presence, say that, 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 that I'm nothing compared to that, you can't help but lift your hands up and praise and worship. And, and maybe you, you're crying out loud or you're sitting there and you're just, you, there's nothing to say, nothing to, to speak, but you're just sitting in awe of God. That is worship. Worship is, is, is inviting God to be in our lives. It's an act of reference. It's an act of giving of ourselves, of our adoration and of our devotion. It's not about, about what people think of us. A lot of us are held back in our worship from God because we're worried about what the person next to us thinks of us. Well, you know, I'm not the best singer. That's why the music's loud. <laughs> oh, Lord, forgive me. Listen I'm, listen, I'm not the pastor here. This is what you get for today. Pastor Travis will be next, back next week. So, uh, <laughs> Listen, but you're worried about what people think about you. And that's not what it's all about. It's not, that's not what it's about. When you're worshiping God and you're truly, you're, you're in it and you're praising God for who he is, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you because you've got a connection with the almighty God now. Yeah. And if you're one of them folks that, that is worried about what people look like, oh, <laughs> that person can't carry a tune in a bucket. He's got his hands up. Look at that guy dancing around. He's just sitting there with his hands in the pocket. He isn't active. Listen, you've missed the mark of worship. If you are focused on people, you've got your focus on the wrong thing. You've lost your focus off of Christ and who we're here for. And you're putting it on yourself. And, well, I'm just a stoic old person. Hmm. This is good. When's it going to be over? No, listen, you've lost your focus. It's about him. Worship comes in many different forms. If your worship and your connection to God is just to stand there, then so be it. But if you feel like you need to stand up, the Bible says make a happy, joyful sound unto the Lord to praise him, Right? Look, we have a whole book of praises, Psalms. It's to praise him, to clash the symbols. That's what it's about. Worship, worship, worship. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 36. When we worship, it brings us into the presence of God. And when we're in the presence of God, when you're truly in the presence of God and you're standing before him, you cannot help but worship. There's no choice but to worship. So Luke chapter 19, verse 36. It says that as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. So he's traveling into town. It says that they spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. They said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. So they're not liking that. They're starting to think that they're, that they're creating, uh, that they're being blasphemous, that they're creating blasphemy against God because these people are crying out uncontrollably in the presence of God and worshiping him. They're saying, listen, Jesus, you need, to, you need to tell those people to quiet down and be respectful and to stand up and be stoic and religious. And you know what Jesus said? All right, yeah, I'll tell them. It's, it's a good idea. No, what he tells them is he says, listen, in verse 40, he says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. What did Jesus mean there? You hear this all the time. If we don't shout his praises, the stones will shout his praises. What that means and what Jesus is telling the Pharisees, what he's telling them is saying, listen, these people are in the presence of God right now. And it is more likely for the inanimate objects like rocks to start crying out the praises of God and worshiping him than it is for the people of God to be in his presence and not raise their hands and not begin to shout the praises of God. It's more likely for a rock to do it than us to do it in the not to do it in the presence of God. So we're called to worship. When you're in his presence, when you're truly in his presence, you can't help but bow down and begin to worship him for who he is. Not for who you are, not for what you've done, because you ain't done nothing. 
I'm a nobody. All I am is just a, just a small town boy who, 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 who's absolutely done nothing except for love Jesus and, and, and do what he's called me to do. And I'm going to worship him for it. And so worship along with prayer helps align our hearts with God's will and our plan for our life. Worship is essential in our relationship with him. And it reminds us, reminds our heart of his almighty power and greatness. Hebrews chapter, or our next step right now. Um, sorry, so we looked at prayer, we looked at worship. And now let's look at community, the last one. Now, community, I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about what we're doing right now, what we do on Wednesdays, what we do throughout the week with one another at events and everything. That is community. How many of y'all ever heard somebody say, you know, I'd come to church, but I just don't believe in that organized religion. I don't believe in religious stuff. I just, you know, well, guess what? I don't either, actually. And when I say that, listen, hear my heart now. Some of y'all just start turning off a little bit. I don't like religion. I hate it. You know why? Religion tells me that my salvation comes through, you know, you, to worship God, you have to just put on a suit and tie. You got to have your clothes ironed, your hair combed, your hair can't be down to your shoulders to enter in the presence of, the God, of God. You're, you've got to have women need to be wearing dresses and you need to just be standing there as perfect and get all your act together. Religion tells me that in order to earn God's favor I have in salvation, I have to go and knock on doors. I have to go and, 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 and involuntarily give of my time instead of out of my own heart for the Lord. I have to do stuff because they told me. That's what religion tells me. But I don't have religion. I have a relationship with Jesus. And out of my relationship with Jesus comes the need to serve other people. Comes the, 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 the need to want to share his love. To share the grace. To share the mercy. And to tell others about what he's done for me. Knowing that I can come to God no matter what. That I can come to him as I am. What holds a lot of people back from entering into a relationship with Christ and what keeps a lot of people from entering into heaven in their lifetime is the very fact that their idea of, of, of salvation goes hand in hand with their picture of a, of a suit and tie, white suit and tie, perfect, get your act together before you come to the altar of God and give your life to him. Guess what? God is calling you as you are right now, today, to come to him. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm putting down any sort of religion. You know, if it's in your heart to do something one way and God, you feel God's telling you to do it, then do it. As long as it's biblically based and it's in the Bible. But don't be putting people down who are making an attempt to come to God. Who have, are trying to turn their life around and trying to fix things. And don't turn them away because they don't look like you. They don't talk like you or act like you. It's like racism. I don't under, I've said this last time. I don't understand racism. I come, I, I've got... Part family that, that, that is white European and I've got the other half that comes from Mexico and, and Texas. A lot of the joke is we never jumped the border. The border jumped us because we're from Texas, right? <laughs> so, so I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand racism. If you cut my arm the same as a black man's, it's going to bleed red, right? right? We're all part of the body of Christ. And it's the same with the way you look. If religion, if somebody tells you, you you can't pray because you've got something in your ear or you've got a tattoo, listen, you're wrong. I'm telling you right now that my God is calling you the way you are now. Yeah. Yes, turn from your transgressions. Turn from your sin. Repent. Uh, repenting is to turn 180, to turn around. Are you going to be perfect the moment that, that you're saved? You're not. You're not. You're, you're a work in progress. But know that there's a God who's full of grace, who's, whose grace is infinite, whose grace is new every morning, and it's calling you. You don't have to live in your junk anymore. You don't have to. I'm telling you that. Where was I? Community. I'm talking. I was, wasn't even in my notes. That's free. So... Uh, anyway, we learn in community. We put God first. We learn to put God first by joining a church, by, being, by walking our Christian walk with other people. Because when we're walking with others, that's where God can, can use somebody in your life to help pick you up out of your mess. To help almost slap you in the face and say, listen, man, I'm going to pray for you, but you're wrong. You need to help turn your eyes to God. God uses people in our lives to point us to him. All of us here are here today because somebody, God used somebody at some point. To share the gospel with you, right? So community is important. If you ever think in your time that, that, that well, I, you know, I, I can stay home and I'm by myself to listen. Salvation doesn't come through community. Salvation doesn't come with being other people. But it helps a lot. Helps a lot. What we do here is important. So I encourage you to join a Bible study. And if you can't find a Bible study to join in, in your area, start a Bible study. 
Well, oh, you know, my house is pretty dirty. I couldn't do that. It's too small. Listen, you've missed the point already. It's about Jesus. It's not about what you look like. It ain't about the way your house looks. It ain't about your economic status. It's about Jesus. It's about starting something and, and crafting a community in your life, a, a group of friends that you can run to in your time of need that can lift you up and help you because we're not called to do this life alone. We're not called to do this alone. Jesus has planted, God has planted people in, in your life. He wants to bring people in your life that, that can help encourage you, that can help walk you and answer and, and, and can help answer those questions that you're going to have. Because if you're a new believer, the Bible is pretty confusing. There's a lot of things in there that, that are confusing, especially for the new believer. You're going to have a lot of questions, a lot of things you're going to struggle with. And God will send people, you know, in, in your life to help you. And, I, and real quick, I want to talk to those who are new believers that, that maybe you haven't walked with God for very long. I encourage you, you, you need, if you don't have somebody already, you need to find somebody in your life who has been walking with God for a long time, who is solid in their faith, and you need to come up beside them and say, listen, I know this might be uncomfortable for a little while, but I'm going to walk with you. I need help. Don't be afraid to ask the dumb questions. Don't be afraid to, 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 to say you don't understand something or that you're, that you're having troubles, but find somebody that can walk with you, a mentor, something. You need that in your life. In order to grow and do the things that God wants you to do. Hebrews 10.25 said, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And so doing life with God, as I said, can help point us towards God. It can help us, uh, you know, to, to get through the hard times, to be an encouragement um, in prayer, in love, in support, in counseling. Uh, there's just, we need to understand that there's power in community. There's power in community. And listen, if you're here for the first time, I'm not telling you this as a, as a sales point for you to, to, to say, oh, well, you need community, you need to be here at Grace Church. Grace Church, we don't care where you go. The important part is maybe God's calling you. Maybe this isn't where God's calling you. Maybe he's calling you. We've got a lot of great churches in this area. Maybe he's calling you another, to another church because maybe you've got a unique gift that that church needs to help their church or whatever. But be planted and based in a Bible-believing church, uh, a Christ-centered church. A church that, 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 that is excited about the things of God and a church that, that is out and about doing things. Because a church that is simply contained to, to the four walls, I, I, I personally, but I don't want to faint, but, but, but may have missed the mark. Taking their focus off of Christ. Because when we have a focus on Christ, then we realize that it's more important for us to go out into the world, to go out and preach the gospel and to love on people than it is for us just to show up once or twice a week for an hour and a half and lift up our hands in praise and, and read the Bible. We're called to be active people. Active. Christianity is not a, a thing. It's, a, it's an activity. It's being a part of something bigger than us because we had a God that was bigger than us come into our lives and save us. Amen. So I'm going to close with this. If you're struggling, if you're, if you're, if you're struggling, you're thinking to yourself, you know, man, I've been, I've been working, I've been involved in ministry for a long time, or I've been working at this job for 20 years, and I've never had a, a pay increase, or man, me and my wife aren't getting along, and she does this, and, and I do all this work, and my husband's this, and my kids are struggling. Listen, I want you to, to just take a second and, and assess your situation and assess your life at this very moment, and ask yourself... Are you still focused on God? Are you still focused on the calling? Maybe he's called you. Maybe you were saved 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And now you're 50 years later and you recognize that maybe you missed the mark and you've lost your focus and, and it's time to get back on track. But if there's something in your life that is holding you back, that has distracted you from, from, from God and, and your calling and your ability to love people, if there's been hurt in your past that hinders you, and, and makes you unable to be able to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the Bible says, Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandment was, was he said, listen, there's two. The first one, most importantly, is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with all that you have. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so you got to think, if you don't have the ability now to love somebody, you need to, to, to go to God and say, God, I, I'm giving this to you. I need your help because you've loved me. Listen, I, me personally, my love for other people comes because I experienced the love of God that I know, I know for a fact I did not deserve. I don't deserve on a daily basis. But because there's a God who loves me enough to care for me and, and to walk with me, I want other people to experience that. Do I do the best job every day of that? No, I'm not. I don't. But I know that I'm called to love people. 
Maybe you're sitting here and, you're, and you've had just some hurt in your past. Like I said, you, there's a God that loves you. There, 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 there's, there's, I want to set aside all of your, pre, your, 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 your ideas of religion, your ideas of Christianity, your ideas of God. A lot of people think, well, God is just angry. He sends people to hell and, he, and he, he'll smite you down. And I can't walk in that church because it will catch on fire. Listen, God did not create hell for you. It was never created for you. But hell is a place that is, that is a separation from God. And when you're on this earth, the moment, listen, God, us as people, we were never intended to do life apart from God. We were not created to do that. But what happened was, was sin entered into our lives. It entered into humanity. And it created a separation from God because God cannot be sinful. He can't have anything to do with sin. And so because of that, there was a separation. And in the Old Testament, you know, you got the laws of Moses. You got all the sacrifices. That was in order to, to atone for the sins for a year. But every year you had to, you had to do that. And only a certain person could, could go into the, into the tent and be in the presence of God. And even that person had to be absolutely, you know, somewhat sinless. That was the Old Testament. But now the New Testament, God had a plan. And it was to send his son to die for you. And I want you to know you're thinking, well, that, that's just a story. Listen, it wasn't a story. There was real bloodshed. There was a real nail hammered through real hands and real wrists. A real God who loves you because he, he did it for you. I wouldn't do that. I have got a son, and I, I love all y'all. I don't love you enough to give my son for you. I can tell you that right now, you know. But there's a God who's already done all the work. And you think, well, man, it can't be that easy, right? It can't be that easy. Well, listen, easy for who? Thank God it's easy for us. Does that make your life easy now? It, was, it doesn't. But it's easy for us because God's already done all the work. There's nothing holding you back from eternity, from God, from the throne room of God except for yourself. A lot of us will be sitting here and thinking, well, you don't know what I have done in my life. You don't know the thoughts I think. You don't know the, the things I've done and the people I've run around, around with. But guess what? I don't know what you've done. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the thoughts in my heart. You don't know that's between me and God. I don't know your thoughts. I don't know what you've done. But I do know one thing, and that is that my God has looked at you and he's said, listen, I don't care what you've done. I've given you my son. I've already paid the price. I'm waiting on you, so get to moving. I love you. And so you're holding yourself back. There's nothing holding you back except for yourself. And today God's calling you. If you don't know who he is, I'm not telling you this because I get any sort of compensation. I don't, I'm not telling you this. I don't get paid to do this. I'm not doing this. I'm doing this because I've experienced it myself. And I know the consequences. God doesn't want to be separated from you. But if we're not, we cannot be with him. So we, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves. And this isn't a fire and brimstone because there's so much more life to live if we give our life to Christ. There's a, you know, you think your, your life is crazy now. Guess what? It's going to be even crazier when you give your heart to God, but it's going to be crazy in a good way. When you give your heart to Christ, it doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy. It's not as though God says, well, boom, easy. You're going to have enough money. You're going to live till you're like 95. You're never, everybody's going to love you. You're going to have a good job. No. In fact, it's probably going to get worse. He said, they're going to hate you. People are going to hate you because they hate me. But guess what? He promised he'd be with us. Come to, he's calling everybody who's tired, who's weary, who's, who's burdened to come to him and he'll give you rest. So if you don't know that rest, I, I, I invite you just to, to come to know that rest today. And so let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much, Lord, that, 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 that we can come here and, and just enter into worship, that we can come and enter into a time of fellowship, God, before you. And I'm so thankful for what you've done in our life, God. I know I'm thankful for what you've done in my life, the things that you've brought me through, Jesus. God, I, I'm thankful that, 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 that because you loved us enough, you gave your son for us so that we can, we can now have a relationship with you, Lord, that there's nothing holding us back from you, God. And I pray that we wouldn't hold ourselves back, that our past wouldn't hold ourselves back from coming to you, God. We love you, Lord Jesus. God, you're so good. I pray that you would take this message, Lord. Help us to just be open to you, God, and, and, and to be able to put you first in all that we do, Lord. And to be, be able to withstand the, the throes of the enemy as they become the as he begins to come against us in our time, Lord, as we're trying to draw closer to you, Lord, I pray for the strength that we need, Lord. Help us to have grace for people. Because you've given us grace that we didn't deserve. Help us to love others because you've loved us when we don't deserve it, God. Help us to, to give our life 
just fully and devoted 100% to you, God. Not worried about what our brothers are doing. Not worried about what people think of us, God. Not trying to bring the glory to ourselves, but doing things because you've done so much for us, God. God, I thank you. I pray that you would protect us as we go through the week, Lord, and allow us to arrive back safely here on next week on Sunday. Let us to go out into our sphere of influence, Lord, and just let there be no doubt who, what king we serve and who we serve, God, and who we're all about. God, I thank you and I praise you. It's all honor and glory that belongs to you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.